Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos, Estamos en riesgo, riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar 20 en español.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Paula Barros. And I'm Melanie Bartley. And, And this, this is Sacred Scandal. First off, we'd like to sincerely thank you all for listening to Sacred Scandal. A lot of you not only invested time, but became emotionally invested in this case as well. You've written your concerns about Mike, about Ukraine, about us when we were there. You were even worried about Dennis, our producer, going up that hill. We were humbled by your involvement. During the run of this season, we received tons of emails with great questions. Really great questions. Questions that have gotten us thinking, too. We were touched by seeing how our listeners were following us side by side on this case, each step of the way. In this bonus episode, our listeners take the mic and get to ask us questions. We'll also be hearing from the friends we made in Ukraine who are going through unimaginably trying times right now. And we'll share with you some of our favorite anecdotes and stories that we didn't get to share with you during the season. Congratulations, ladies. You made an amazing podcast with an almost unbelievable story. If it hadn't been told now, I'm afraid it never would be told. So... We're all eternally grateful. Thank you. We are beyond moved to receive messages like this. Something our listener, Jesse Cohen, says might be true. If we hadn't told the story when we told it, could we have told it at all? With the war in Ukraine and Father Wendt getting older, we may never have been able to sit atop that hill for three hours and speak to him had we waited only two more months. We feel that timing was fundamental to telling this story. We were incredibly lucky. Had we done this as a documentary 15 years ago, like we first set out to do, would Father Went have been ready to speak? One of our listeners, Victoria, got us thinking. This is Victoria, and my question is, how did you convince Went to talk to you? Well, that's a good question. That was one of the scariest moments 
I think in my life, pulling over in that car off the side of the road and Petro handed him the phone. And I think the first thing I said was, this is not a complete story without you. And I think how I got him first to open up was reminiscing about old Holy Cross experiences and memories and, you know, the good things that I remembered from the school. And that got him to soften up a little bit with me. And then it was just like, so I'm here. I'm in Ukraine to hear you, to hear your voice. And I think at that point he he felt some sort of sense of responsibility. I think it was the fact that I said, the only person speaking for Holy Cross has been Mihailo. You know, I think that did it. Not all of your questions had answers that were cut and dry. Why do Father Damien and Vassal work at a supermarket? I'm confused. If they own property in a hospital in Ukraine, why do they need to send money to when? Don't they rent out the hospital? Well, Petro actually mentioned that they have a lot of debt because the hospital was so expensive to build and the equipment they bought is like hundreds of thousands of dollars of MRI machines, CAT scan machines. There's a lot of maintenance involved. And I think because the hospital kind of failed for them, they owe all this money. And and I guess in Ukraine, uh, it's harder to make a living, especially right now. So I think that's why Father Damien and Vasile work at a supermarket in North Carolina, and that's how they help out with uh, with expenses. I do find it very strange, to be honest, that two monks uh, have to work at a supermarket because yeah. usually, like, the monastery maintains you, but I, I guess they don't really have another way to make money. Well, they don't have followers, and they don't have, you know, mass or donations. or. But They don't also- have the school. So, Andres, your your question is a great one, and we, we unfortunately are st- don't have a clear answer. We are stumped. Other questions were questions we'd already asked ourselves and the attorneys, but it never seemed like anyone really ever knew the answer. Hi, Melanie and Paola. I was wondering if you asked, why did Petro get adopted by Father Wendt? And was it by Petro's choice? Hi, Mickey. Thank you for your question. Um, I think that um, it was definitely Father Wendt's idea, and Petro agreed. Not even the investigators really knew the answer to this question. Uh, At first, the assumption was that there was something to do with um, their immigration status, and that being um, a legal son of one of these priests would make it easier for them to become a citizen. But uh, Gail Levine even said she asked immigration and they, they said that wasn't the case, that they were already on student visas mm-hmm. and that that wouldn't really have made a difference. Um, I guess the other theory was inheritance. If um, Father went, wanted to make sure if anything happened to him, that Petra would inherit whatever they had. But mm-hmm. what's really strange is that they took a vow of poverty. Exactly. So a monk isn't supposed to own you know property or, or have you know, assets or an, or an estate. Yeah. yeah. Your concerns and questions about Mike always moved us, and we told him how much people out there wondered about him. One question in particular, we are really happy to be able to answer. Mike said he brought the knife because he would cut himself. I was wondering if he continued to do that. The answer is no. Uh, Mike does not cut himself anymore. Now he has a different way to let out his emotions, and we were definitely so happy to see it. He writes. He writes short stories. Um, So whenever he feels anything that's, you know, negative or things like that, you you can sometimes hear it in the story. 
right, Mel? Like mm-hmm. some of his subject matter sometimes is a little dark. It's a little dark, yeah. But for me, it just feels like that's his new outlet, and it's so much healthier. And yeah, he sends every single story to us, and we really want to share it with everybody uh, soon. We want to. He wants us to share the, the stories with you guys too. And I just remember even from the last visit, just seeing his arm. Like it's obvious he's been a cutter for years, you know. Yeah. But they're healed, and it looks like it's been yeah, they're it's just healed for years. Very scarred. Yeah. Up next, we take a look at a question that more than one of you had. Hey, Paula and Melanie. Big fan of the podcast. Loving it. Thank you so much for taking questions. I was curious if while in the Ukraine, you had a chance to visit or speak with any of the other monastic candidates, or if they have um, spoken at all since the original investigation. Yosip declined on, I sent him a WhatsApp message. Mm -hmm. He said, not interested. He was very polite, though, and like... He said, I'd rather be keep my experiences at Holy Cross private or something. Yeah. Like Ivan never responded. Neither did Vasil. Neither did Vasil. We definitely. found Vasil on Facebook. Yeah. And we sent him a few messages and... Nothing. Friend ignored. requests. And then Sasha, there's just... We could never find Sasha. Ever. Ever. There's just no trace of him on the internet. The only one, I mean, we, we did talk to Ilya. Yeah. Um, Ilya has been really, really helpful. Yeah. And his perspective has changed a lot. Throughout yeah. the years. And and Petro, obviously. And that's it. Mm-hmm. This next one is a great question, and one we've wondered about ourselves. I'm wondering if Sister Michelle was aware of any of the alleged abuse. Well, we asked Mike directly, um, because that was always a theory in our minds, that maybe that would explain why he killed Sister Michelle, was that she knew about the abuse yeah. and didn't do anything to protect him. Mm-hmm. There was another theory yeah. The wilder one back then, that was that Sister Michelle knew about the abuse. She was going to say something. She was going to report it. And then Father went. Yeah. Like, put Mike up for it and, like, made him kill her, that's, which is crazy. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Definitely not true. Definitely not true. I think also they they put Sister Michelle really, really far away. The convent was on the other side of the football fields and all of that, right? Yeah. So... If something was going on, she probably wouldn't have seen it. Yeah, and none, nobody would have shared it with her. Yeah, she wasn't the confidant, you know, sort of <sighs> person where Mike would feel comfortable talking to her about this kind of stuff or, or any of the monastic candidates, I don't think. <clears throat> when we asked Mike about this, he said he didn't think Sister Michelle knew about the abuse. He said he didn't see her witness anything, and he certainly didn't talk to her about it. Another question we got from a listener was more about my own experience at Holy Cross. They wanted to know what it was like to go to a school run by Father Went and Father Damien. And it's an interesting question because I I started to think what was it like for real every day to like day to day. And one of the things that stood out to me was confession, for example. Like in a Catholic school, I don't know about other Catholic schools, but having to do confession with your own principal or with someone that's in charge of your discipline, like how can you confess, for example, that you cheated on a test or that you did something like that. So, for example, my confessions were never very, very thorough <laughs> because there were a lot of things that, you know, I'd have to leave out for the sake of me staying in the school. I don't know if there would have been. That is very strange. That, yeah, it is very strange. And, you know, there was a line, there was a line, it was a longer line to confess with Father Went. That's what the stu- a lot of students remembered. And then Father Damien would also confess people, and nobody wanted to confess with him. Um, Why do you think that was? I don't know. Just the vibe? Like, what kind of vibe? 
the creepy vibe that a lot of people describe. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they were super intimidating. And, you know, I felt like that guy was the Pope or like similar because I was young and because my parents respected him and all the parents respected him. And, you know, he was just important looking. In and, stature and presence. Yeah, when he passed by, floating down the aisles, oh, the hallways. Oh, my God. People would just make way, you know, almost bowing, just intimidated. The day the war started in Ukraine, our listeners started writing to us immediately. After a break, we'll be addressing those concerns. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca, o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita prevnar 20 en español.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome back to Sacred Scandal. I'm Paula Barros. And I'm Melanie Bartley. At the start of this project, we were already warned that it was only a matter of time before the Russians invaded this beautiful country. But now, having just been there and experiencing that amazing place firsthand, this war hits hard. And since we took you all on our journey to Ukraine for this podcast... It seems like a lot of you feel just like we do. Here's another listener. This is Chaz Bayfield from Tasmania, Australia. I'd love to know whether you've been in touch with any of the people in the Ukraine who feature in your podcast and whether they're okay, because I'm sure a lot of your listeners are very concerned for them. Our friends in Ukraine have been sending us messages, so we'll let them answer for themselves. Here's Ilya Herzog, the monastic candidate that we're sure you know by now. My family have been affected by the war, which was started by Putin. Um, I have my business in Czech Republic, so when Russians started bombing our cities, I was out of Ukraine, as usual. On the second day after military troops entered, I decided that my family 
has to leave Ukraine and join me here. So now we are together at our home in Czech Republic. Also some of my friends and acquaintances, after they have been sent, their families, wives and children to safe places, went to fight even as a soldier. So all of us are actually ready to stand against the killers from Russia. Regarding my plans for the future, for now it's to stay outside of Ukraine. I'm helping here our people, women and children who had run away from war to find the shelter here and helping them with registration of all necessary documents to stay, transport or anything else. We are gathering humanitarian aid and sending it to my country. And I believe that this war will be stopped, and not only stopped, but we will win against this evil from Russia. And me and my family and our families will be able to come back to peaceful Ukraine in the nearest future. That's what we want. Yulia, our translator, who we immediately became close friends with and who made every interaction we had in Ukraine so seamless, also sent us an update. My name is Yulia and I am Ukrainian. And the recent events and the war was truly, truly heartbreaking and terrifying. Every morning looks like waking up and checking the news, seeing what cities were bombed, seeing who survived, who died. And it's something really, really, um, <laughs> really heartbreaking. We live in the most western part of Ukraine, so we were lucky enough not to get bombed. But I can't say the same about so many places. We have family all over Ukraine. Some live in the occupied uh, territories. Some are fighting at war. Some are getting bombed and just praying every day to survive to survive just one day at a time. My region is receiving many, many refugees, and uh, there arrived like 50,000 people, and that's our city is 100,000 people. Um, many, many people are coming. Just yesterday we received uh, 1,000 kids who were evacuated without their parents because there wasn't just an opportunity like this. But... On the better side, if I can say that, uh, with all that's happening, our people are as united as as possible, and it's truly, truly breathtaking to see how so many people are connecting and helping each other. So, yeah, glory to Ukraine. <laughs> We also wanted to know how Mike was feeling about this whole thing and if he had heard from his parents. Actually, I got a videogram and email from my parents. Mm -hmm. And what are they saying? How are they? What's their, their mood? My parents are all right. No, but of course, because they're really worried about, you know, everything that's going on. In, it's really difficult times right now that 
that are going on in Ukraine. And it's really, you know, sad because as you can see on the news, you can see a, a lot of a lot of people are displaced, a lot of people are dead, a lot, of, you know, children are dead. And do you think Bert Verkovina Bistra is going to be safe for now? You know, you know, nothing's for certain, but you know, in my my town is really one of the safest places right now uh, because it's located far in the west, mm-hmm. right on right on border with with Poland. You know, you've been in my town, Paula, so yeah. you know you, you can see from my house, you can see Poland. So it would be really easy for your parents to kind of go over the border if they need to in a last minute sort of emergency, right? Yeah, if they would emerge, I'm sure. I'm sure the Polish would open up. I remember back then in the 90s, we had you know uh, reservoir on the Polish border, and Ukrainian guards, Ukrainian um, military personnel, you know, go and just patrol the border, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure you know. Uh, yeah, right now, yeah, Poland's really good, you know, with the Ukraine right now. They're really helpful. We have been in constant contact with Maria and Yuri Kofel, and we thought we'd read you one of the messages that they sent us. Hello, Paula and Melanie. We thank God all is quiet and that there is no shelling. We live far from the border of Russia and Belarus. Many refugees flee from the war through our Transcarpathia region. Terrible battles continue in Kyiv. All Ukrainians thank the countries that help us. When we saw the Kofels, we talked to them for hours, and it's crazy to think only a few minutes made it into the show. But there's a lot of stuff like that that didn't make it in. Coming up after the break, we'll be sharing some tape that didn't make it into the show. Stay with us. diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos, Estamos en riesgo, riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome back to Sacred Scandal. I'm Paula Barros. And I'm Melanie Bartley. 
For the sake of the story and keeping things concise, we had to leave out a lot of tape that we thought our listeners might find interesting. So in this last segment, we're going to be playing some of that tape for you. During our trip to Ukraine, we met up with Dr. Mariana Tov-Korshinska, a Ukrainian doctor who was hired by Mike's defense team to evaluate him. She spent time with Maria and Yuri Kofel as part of her evaluation, and she gave us some great cultural perspective we hadn't heard before. The situation with his father was very bad for him, yes. So he told that he wanted to escape from, from that family as quickly as possible. And this possibility to go to this school or something like that, he really wanted to be a priest, even maybe a monk. And it was, for him, it was very serious. And for our people, you have to understand, America, it was something amazing, so some a heaven. Yes, so to get there, it was such a big luck. And I'm sure for him it was like he will be there, he will become a priest, and everything will be, will be just perfect. Here it was a hell, and there will be a heaven. Yes, and it was, it was not only for him like that. It was for, mostly for all of us, yes? So, so it was like that. America is something so he went to America, yes, and everything was <laughs> destroyed. We've always asked ourselves how Maria and Yuri Kofel never suspected Mike might be being abused, even when he and Father Damien came to visit and would share a bed with their son in their home. You have also to understand such things as happened there are in our mind something absolutely impossible. Believe me, homosexuality here, it's, it's, maybe now it is more like it is possible to be. In our time, in his time, it was something like absolutely not possible to be. And especially among priests, it's, it's absolutely, absolutely impossible. So, so he was something destroyed in him, something broke inside him, for sure. It was psychologically, it was absolutely impossible. Going to Ukraine was truly one of the most intense trips of our lives, and one we will never forget. But speaking of trips, remember Art Nanny, the lead detective working the murder investigation? Well, he was on a trip to Vegas once and told us a story we found pretty strange. So, the squad bought me a, a gift to go to Vegas. But who did I run into? I ran into Petra and uh, one of the other monks. They were in Vegas airport. And Petra came up to me and said, you're our nanny. I said, yeah. And you know, he introduced himself and I said, what are you guys are doing over here? They are over there gambling. As a matter of fact, I think he was sitting on a slot machine. I retired in 06, so it was almost five years after the fact. But I'm looking at them that they were supposed to be monks, so, and they're going to Vegas. 
what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But but I was just, it was just it kind of blew my mind that I have the monks in Vegas, you know. And there wasn't a lot of conversation because I didn't really care for Petra. Anyways, I believe he lied to me from the get go, and he could have been lying to me at that particular point too. We found this story so odd, we decided to ask Father Lou, the priest and canon law expert who you heard from in Episode 7, his opinion on monks taking trips and gambling. Okay, so yeah, even monks are allowed to go on vacations. They might have set places where, you know, the monks go. But because you become a monk, you don't cease becoming a human being. All right, so when I want to go on vacation, all right, I'm a master diver. All of my vacations were diving vacations. I'd go to the Caribbean, I'd go you know, to the Pacific, I'd go diving. They were very, very expensive. If I wanted to go on vacation, that's fine. Canon law allowed me a month's vacation a year, but I had to pay for it. You know, the monks in the monastery, are they entitled to vacation? Absolutely. But the monastery would have to pay for it. And it's always with the understanding that what one did on vacation was at least not antithetical to religious life. So I could go on vacation and go diving. I could go on vacation and maybe do some recreational gambling where it was legal. But I couldn't go on vacation and work in an abortion clinic. All right, or I couldn't go on vacation and involve myself in, you know, the backroom poker parlor and gamble in a place that was going to be raided by the vice squad. But how do you reconcile, I guess, uh, the vow of poverty with gambling or, or going to Vegas or staying at a nice hotel, for example? Well, I, you know, poverty means I don't own anything. It doesn't mean that I have to live a bereft life. If I take a vow of poverty, it doesn't mean I have to live in a hovel and wear underwear with holes in it. I'm allowed a basic standard of life that is commensurate with human dignity. Staying in a nice hotel in Las Vegas, you know, where's that on the scale? You know, recreational gambling in Las Vegas is legal. It's not immoral, all right? Well, should a monk gamble? I don't know. But I'm a diocesan priest, and I used to go to Las Vegas. But that was my money. <laughs> okay, You know, if I had a bad run at the tables, then I didn't buy cigarettes the next month. Whereas the monk is, is drawing from the common assets, and therefore there's got to be another like level of awareness of his use. So am I going to sit in judgment if someone who goes to Las Vegas and stays in a decent hotel? Well, no. All right. He didn't do anything illegal. He didn't do anything immoral on the face of it. And just staying in a nice room, there's nothing scandalous about that. Depends on the local law and the local monastery. I control my finances. Those who belong to religious orders and take the vow of poverty do not. I mean, if a guy's got to roll a quarters and goes to a quarter machine and feeds them in one at a time, you know, he spent what he would have spent on renting a DVD. But if I see a monk sitting at a dollar machine 
and he's putting five dollars at a time in pulling that arm 60 times an hour at five dollars a time and it's 300 bucks an hour and he was at that machine for four hours i would think to myself is this the best use of your monastery's assets During the show, we heard a lot from a Holy Cross parent, Marietta Fernandez. I've kept in touch with her since our interview, and she's been one of the sweetest and warmest people we've ever met. And she seemed to know Sister Michelle better than anyone we talked to from Holy Cross. Here's a story she told us about her that really paints a picture of who she was. One day when we were, um, we were walking through the halls and we were talking, we were walking towards the chapel area. I loved to go out there and just look at the beautiful painting outside, the murals. And she had to fill out some paperwork that she told me that she was going to go get it and bring it to me, you know, and I was waiting for her in that area. And she was coming back and she had a smile on her face. And I said, so what's so funny? What are you smiling about? And she said, no, I'm happy because some of the linen that I wanted to lay out for the Sunday service came out really well. It ironed out really well. I go, so that makes you happy? And she, she laughed and she said, yes, that makes me very happy. It makes me happy when I am in the chapel and I am preparing for services. It's a feeling of accomplishment and it was almost like gratitude that she was grateful that she could do that I felt that I felt that coming across very clear that she was grateful you know she was happy the linen came out great a few months ago we had the chance to speak with Ukrainian priest Father Taras who was flown to Miami all the way from Transcarpathia to see Mike back in 2001 Okay, my name is Taras Lovska. I am a priest from Ukraine, Transcarpathia. Right now, I am helping here in the uh, United States, in Pennsylvania, Harrisburg, at St. and Byzantine Catholic Church. How did you How did you get connected with, with Mihailo Kofel? Did you know them from back in Ukraine? Uh, not really. Uh, I was sent by my bishop, and he asked me if I can uh, travel and hear his confession and bring him the Holy Communion. So what's what I, I, I did. So I visited him in, in prison. What were your impressions of, of Mihailo when you first met him? Well, I feel sorry for him. And so, yeah, I confessed him. I, I cannot talk about the confession, but, you know. He is a nice looking guy. I feel sorry, you know. And when I hear that they killed him 25 years or whatever, I, I feel sorry. So let me ask you, why, why did you need to do this confession with him? Wouldn't it have been Father Wendt's job as, as his priest? Probably, yeah, but I don't know why, why Bishop asked me. To do this, and you know, I was I was open to do this. Isn't it part of being a priest, kind of 
uh, mainly forgiving somebody for their sins, even if it's murder, even if it's the worst thing you can possibly imagine. Do you think that it would have been basically his his job or it would have been the, the right thing to do for him to at least go visit him and try to understand what happened? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Is 14 years old, is old enough to make them a monk or, or were the circumstances of poverty or, you know, everything that they were going through in Ukraine kind of influenced them to come? What, what are your thoughts on the age that these boys were, were coming? I think they, they was too young. In my country, we consider that uh, you are adult having 18 years. Under 18, you are under uh, jurisdiction or whatever your parents so I presume the parents give the permission and then the priest then that and then the young guys you know they they hear oh America it's a oh, end of the world and, and, and that's why they decide some of these boys that were monastic candidates you know they they would travel for these trips and they would say that each priest would sleep in the same bed with one of the monastics right is that normal just to save money and things like that. That's completely strange for me and uh, unusual. Usually the, the, the each monk or each priest, they live in their room separately. Do you think God forgave Mihailo for what he did? Uh, I know that God is so merciful that he is forgiving all the sins. His love is so high and so deep that we are not able to do so many uh, sins or so big or so uh, terrible sins that God will be not able to forgive us. It doesn't mean that we have to do sins, but we have to know this, that God is, His love is like ocean, no end. That's why we are called to, to respond to his love and to love him. We could keep talking about this case for another decade, and we probably will. This podcast may have ended, but our bond to Mike will always be there. We'll continue to visit, we'll continue to write and chat on the phone. We know a lot of you have expressed how much you care about the people in this story, and for that, we thank you. Having your support gave us the confidence to keep moving forward. So stay connected to us via social media and email if you want to hear more about Mike, read his short stories, and get more updates on the people we've all come to care about in Ukraine. Although Sacred Scandal, the show, didn't have the ending we hoped for, this story is not over for us, and we will continue to pursue the truth. Thank you all again from the bottom of our hearts. This has been Sacred Scandal. Sacred Scandal is a production of Exile Content Studio in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. Sacred Scandal was created and produced by Melanie Bartley and me, Paula Barros. Our senior producer is Dennis Funk of Written in Air. 
The executive producers are Rose Reed and Nando Villa. Additional production by Alvaro Cespedes. Our production assistant is Imani Leonard. Original music and final mixing by Patrick Hart. And special thanks on this episode to Brian Robertson and Michael Martone. And a huge, huge thank you to our families. If you'd like to reach out, email us at hello at sacredscandalpodcast.com and you can follow us on Instagram at sacredscandal. diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos, Estamos en riesgo, riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.